1 Corinthians 14. This is a chapter dealing with spiritual gifts, of uh, which we will give you an explanation, a brief one, but we will not talk about spiritual gifts as much as the thought of the scriptures, starting with verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? All right, you may be seated. We just want to take a look at a few scriptures here, and then we'll get into the real meat of what we want to speak to you on. Anytime you read a, a text from a chapter or read a verse that that uh, you know is uh, interpreted so many different ways, it is very good, I feel, to, to clear up some of the misunderstanding relative to the, the Scripture. Verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, If I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, except I speak to you either by revelation... Or by knowledge, that is, unless God reveals something to me, and I just stand up and tell you. Or by knowledge, that is, something that I know or understand. Or by prophesying, and that is, by the spiritual gift of tongues and interpretation. Or tongues that's followed by interpretation, which is equivalent to prophecy. Or by doctrine, that is, just expounding the doctrine of the Bible. Now, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he speaks of spiritual gifts. Now, this is not to be interpreted as the gift of the Holy Ghost that comes to you with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Now, if you notice in verse 1, it says, follow after charity... And desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Now the word gifts that's found in 1 Corinthians 14 is not taken from the same word that the gift of the Holy Ghost is taken from. That's found in the book of Acts and the epistles. The uh, Let's turn to the 8th uh, chapter of the book of Acts and we'll just... Uh, uh, take a look at uh, a scripture that <clears throat> that uh, would be good for clarification. In Acts the eighth chapter, uh, starting with verse eighteen, when Simon saw that through laying on the hands Pardon me. When Simon saw that through laying on the of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. 
saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now you notice the word gift is found here. Now the word gift that's found here in, in chapter or verse 20 of chapter 8, it, it literally means a present. That's exactly what it means. It means a, 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 a present that's given to you on uh, a particular occasion. Now a present is something that, that you do not earn. In many cases you don't even deserve it. It's just in honor of you because of the occasion. We have a good number of birthdays this week, I think six or eight. And so I'm sure that gifts will be given to a good number of people of our congregation. Now, why do you get a gift on your birthday? Just to honor you. doesn't mean that you've been a, a nice guy all year. Doesn't doesn't mean that you you know you, that you went out and labored real hard and 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 you deserve it. Uh, if somebody comes and works for you and you uh, you give them a check, you wouldn't consider that check as a gift when it came to you because you earned it, you worked for it. But uh, the Holy Ghost that's given to us, none of us deserve it. That's the reason why that uh, that. Uh, Paul and Peter both said that it, it's not by works, lest any man should boast. In other words, you didn't get it because you deserve it. You didn't get it because you worked real hard. Uh, you didn't get it because you prayed long hours. You didn't get it because you fasted. You just simply manifested faith in God. It's a gift. It really didn't cost you anything. Now, you may have to pray and fast in order to get yourself in condition to uh, receive the gift. There, there's no doubt about that. And I'm not minimizing prayer and fasting. Uh, you were baptized in, uh, in concordance to the Word of God and obedience to the, to the commandment given in the Scripture. But, but when the Holy Ghost came to you, it really came to you as a gift. Uh, just because you were baptized doesn't make you deserving of the Holy Ghost. So you didn't really earn it because that you got wet all over. Now, when you find the word gift in 1 Corinthians 14, it's taken from a different word altogether. It's not taken from the same Greek word that gift is taken from in the chapter of Acts that we just read. The word gift here actually means special power or endowment. It really means a talent or an ability. So when God gives us the gift that comes without cost, we'll just say that this is, this is the present, this is the gift, the closest thing we can come to this morning, it's a box. You get the gift, it's given to you without cost. So here it is. But when that gift comes inside of us, which is the Holy Spirit, out from that gift comes special endowment or power to do certain things. So the word gift here comes from an entirely different Greek word altogether. So when people say, do you have the gift of tongues in the 
charismatic world, uh, usually uh, when they say we have the gift of tongues, they're making reference to when the Holy Ghost came that they spoke with tongues. Well, that's not the gift of tongues that you receive when the Holy Ghost comes. And that's what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 14. See, he's, he's, he's saying, now, now brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, in other words, I receive the Holy Ghost and I speak with tongues. All of us who have received the Holy Ghost spoke with tongues when we received the Holy Ghost. That's the initial evidence. And when we are praying in the Spirit, quite often we speak with tongues. Now, this we do in accordance to the Word of God because that through our speaking with tongues, we edify ourselves and gain power in the Lord. But he said, now there is a different gift. There is a special ability that comes upon God's people when they are on together in which someone will exercise that gift, they'll speak in tongues, and then somebody will interpret that or somebody will prophesy. Now what he's saying is that when you're having a service in which uh, a lot of people are there and outsiders, people who do not know the law of God or the commandments of the Lord, uh, it's, it's good for you not to just stand up and address them in a tongue that they don't understand. Because if you do this, he said, uh, what, uh, what does it mean to them? He said, you'll just be like a barbarian to them. Now, I can only speak two languages. One is English and the other is Southern. And, uh, <laughs> and <clears throat> some of you have problems understanding both of my languages. But nevertheless... I do know that we have people here who speak other languages outside of English. And if you addressed me with some language that I didn't understand, uh, I would just, I, I couldn't respond to your wishes or your desires. What, what, what am I supposed to do if I don't understand it? See, and that's what Paul is saying. So, don't just get up, he said, and, and address the people and just speak in tongues. Now, all of us who have received the Holy Ghost have the ability in God because we can edify ourselves in the Holy Ghost. We can pray in the Holy Ghost, as Paul speaks to Titus about. So, you, you see, those, those things are possible. But he said, now, when you are talking to people... He said, you speak words of knowledge or revelation or it's all right to go ahead and prophesy. In other words, you can speak in tongues, but make sure it's followed by an interpretation or by doctrine. Now, he said, it's necessary to do this because he said, if you don't do this, then the people won't know what to do. You know, I kind of get this funny feeling when somebody comes up to me and starts speaking another language, don't you? You ever had somebody on the street to walk up to you and start speaking to you in another language? Not too long ago I had somebody. I don't know if they thought I looked like a foreigner or what. They just started speaking in some foreign language. I just stood there and I didn't know what to say. Uh, I was overseas uh, two or three years ago and in many places that Sister Grant and I 
went, we weren't able to converse with the people, and I'd just speak English, and they'd, they'd try, and they, they would speak back, and oh, we just had all kinds of problems, you know, I was trying to draw pictures and, and everything else, and finally they'd get, they, 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 would, they would understand to a degree so what I was talking about. Now, I told you that I spoke Southern when I first moved up here. I went into a, uh, a country store. Well, actually, I'd been up here about six, seven years. I went into a country store, and I, I asked the lady, I said, do you have any oil? But at that time, I guess I didn't call it that. So uh, she said, uh, yeah, it's uh, back in a certain shelf back there. My car was uh, about a quart low on oil, see. So I went back there, and uh, I, I didn't... <laughs> I didn't see any oil back there, and all I saw was just uh, washing powder, detergent and such. So uh, I came back. I said, uh, evidently you don't have any. She said, uh, "What? did you look back there? I'm sure we have some. And I said, yes. And so I left. Well, <laughs> I got home, and I was telling my wife, she said, you put that oil in the car? And I said, no, and I told her where I went. And I said, you know, the strange thing, the lady sent me back to where all the washing detergents were and such. And, and my wife said, well, she thought you were saying A-L-L, all. See? <laughs> and <laughs> sure enough, I went back over there, and she had what I was looking for. I had to spell it. But, but anyway, <clears throat> she, she, she had it. Now, <clears throat> what is necessary... I feel in any religious movement, it is necessary that the people understand what they ought to do. There should be a clear voice from behind the pulpit explaining what ought to be done. And I want to speak to you today on the clear voice. I'd like for you to turn with me to Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter. This also is a, a fairly familiar passage, Ezekiel 33, dealing with the same thing that the Apostle Paul was speaking of. He says, Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of that land take a man of their coast, and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take uh, any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So, what he is making reference to in 1 Corinthians 14 is uh, the time of battle. And what he's saying is that that uh, there are watchmen that sit upon the walls of the city. And the enemy comes. And when the enemy comes, 
It is the sole responsibility of the watchman, number one, to be watching. He he gets his title from that. He is a watchman. He, he, he watches out. He carefully observes the situation. And then when he sees danger, it is his responsibility to blow the trumpet loud and clear so that the people will awaken out of their sleep and they will understand it's time to go to battle. Now if the watchman goes to sleep, naturally he won't see what's happening and secondly he will not be able to warn the people. And so the Lord is saying now if this be true, if a watchman does not warn the people and if the people are caught off guard, if there are survivors then we will require of that watchman the soul of all of these people. And you know what the law stated, that whosoever taketh man's life or sheddeth man's blood, of him, of man rather, shall he shed his blood. So capital punishment in the Old Testament was an order. In Ezekiel 20, the Bible tells us that that uh, there is a commandment, says, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever kills, the Bible says, then that man will lose his life as a result of killing somebody else. And so what he's saying here is that, that if there are survivors and the watchman was derelict in his responsibility, then we will require that man's life as a result of all of these people who lost their life. Now, if you notice what the Apostle Paul is, uh, is saying here, he said, now when you, when, when you address people, he said, give a clear sound. If it's doctrine, talk about a clear doctrine. I mean, something that they understand. And, and it, it is really a shame, but, but in, in many, many religious circles, a lot of people really don't even know what they believe. Now, I'm just going to give you an, an example of something here that uh, I personally read. And, and I don't mind telling you where I read this. I, and, and if you are a, a, a disciple of Billy Graham, I'm not trying to in any way cut you down or, or, or make you feel badly. I, I think you ought to take a careful look at, or, or listen carefully to what I'm saying. But I, I read this in one of Billy Graham's uh, articles that, that was in the Houston Chronicle. Uh, people wrote in questions every day. And, and this is a question that a lady wrote in about her neighbor. She said, uh, Dear Dr. Graham, she said, uh, I have been witnessing to my neighbor for, for many, many years. Now, my neighbor has never been to church to my knowledge, and she's never been to church with me. Now, she said, The problem, however, in my witnessing to my neighbor is that... Uh, uh, I have a hard time convincing my neighbor that she needs God. Number one, my neighbor is more righteous than myself. And she went into detail as to what she personally did that her neighbor had convictions against doing, but now her neighbor never goes to church. Keep that in mind. And secondly, my neighbor is more charitable than I am. While I do give small donations to the church and such, my neighbor uh, supports many charitable uh, causes in the city. And she went on and on and on talking about her neighbor. 
and said, I'm just uh, wondering, is it possible that my neighbor uh, could have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into her heart and become a Christian and not know it? And, of course, Dr. Graham responded that, yes, that's absolutely possible, that there are many Christians who have accepted the Lord in their heart, and they do not have any knowledge that they have done that. Because to be saved, a man believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And who knows that maybe watching a television program, uh, maybe something was brought up in preaching or maybe in the film or whatever of the Lord being crucified and, and you accept the Lord into your heart and, and yet you, are, 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 you have no knowledge of it. Now, there's a lot of things like that that's, that's spread among religious circles today. Now, I don't know what you think of that, but I don't mind telling you what I think of it. I think that's ridiculous. I think it's, 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 it's almost borderline, borderlining on being hilarious. Uh, my Bible teaches me otherwise. Uh, first place, you've got to repent to be, to be saved. Jesus, when he came upon the scene, he demanded repentance of the people. Uh, John the Baptist said, The kingdom of God is at hand. And when Jesus came upon the scene, the Bible says that, that he demanded of them to repent. Luke the 13th chapter, verse 3. Uh, Jesus said, Yea, I say unto thee, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now, you're not going to turn away from sin without knowing it. Now, it, it's just that plain. There's just no way. And, and, and there's no way that you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and, and, and not even know it. Especially in, in view of the Bible teaching that there has to be some conditions met in your life in order for you to have faith to receive it. And one is to repent. Now what he's saying here is that regardless of what you are, are uh, dealing with, if it's a Bible doctrine, he said, give it straight to the people. In other words, don't beat around the bush. Just tell them what they need to do so that they will understand it. And naturally, that's the only fair way to do it because we must do things the way the Bible tells us to do it. Now, some people just have this idea that that doesn't make any difference to God. Well, if it doesn't make any difference to God, then why did God put in his word that he did? And did you know that all that we really know about God is what we find in the Bible? That's all that we know about God is what we find. In, this is the only book that is exclusively the voice of God to the people. There may be other books that, that have a source of inspiration in them, but uh, their sources uh, are fallible in many, many cases. But the Bible is the infallible Word of God. It's the immutable Word of God. It doesn't change. It is forever settled. And regardless of what we say, I mean, the Bible is always the Bible. It's the Word of God. And it just does not have the ability uh, to be changed. Now, God has set uh, preachers in the church and leaders in the church as watchmen. And the watchmen should give a clear, distinct sound to the people as to what they ought to do to be saved. Hebrews the 13th chapter. And I'd like for you to turn there with me if you would. Hebrews 13. This is dealing with, with, with spiritual, spiritual leadership. 
Hebrews 13, 7, the Bible says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you by the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, and today, and forever. And be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not purified them that have been occupied therein. Now, all the way down to verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So God has put watchmen in the house of God. I, I really thank the Lord for that. Now, I'm not thanking the Lord for that because I'm the pastor of the church. But uh, I feel that, that I need spiritual leadership as, as much as you need spiritual leadership. And, and I need the ministry as much as you need the ministry. I don't do all the preaching here, as you well, very well know. And quite often, our preachers get up and, and they preach things that, 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 that really get me and get a hold of my heart and convict me. Now, in Romans, the 13th chapter, the Bible says in verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. And so the Bible is telling us that that, that this, this is the system of God. This is the order of God. That God has watchmen. Uh, people that can clearly sound the trumpet to let the people know exactly what must be done and when they must do it. Now, let's just talk about the Jesus method for a moment. Now, Jesus Christ was our example. The way that Jesus Christ lived his life, conducted his life, the way that he taught, the way that he preached, his whole conversation, when we say conversation, uh, and I mentioned the word conversation, <clears throat> or read the word conversation uh, in the book of Hebrews, considering the end of their conversation. Conversation there doesn't mean what you say only. Now, it does include that, but it means the sum total of all of your behavior, how you conduct yourself and what you say. So, when we consider the conversation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we just can't go wrong by following Him. There, we just cannot go wrong by following Him. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked Him, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Did, did, uh, did Jesus Christ beat around the bush with Him? No. He told Him precisely what He ought to do. Exactly what He ought to do. He didn't say, well, just go pray about it and work out your own salvation. No, he didn't do that. In fact, you can, let's turn to John the third chapter and we will look at Jesus in the presence of a man by the name of Nicodemus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. <clears throat> the same came to Jesus by night 
Now, Nicodemus was a ruler. Now, he was a ruler of the Jews. Now, that simply means that he was in command of a good number of people. So, he understood, Nicodemus understood, what it meant to give out orders. Now, he understood that. All right. He said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Now notice what Jesus said. Jesus saw the need of this man. Now this man didn't even ask what he needed to do to be saved. But Jesus saw this man and knew his need and knew that he came by night to see him and knew what he was questing for. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now there's some pretty strong language there. Let's just go through it. Except. What does the word except mean? Anybody have any idea? Let's go on through this. Just just think for a moment, all right? Except a man be born again, he cannot. Do you have any idea what cannot means? It just, except means this is it. All right? Cannot. How many loopholes are in the word cannot? You, know, you see, now this is the Jesus method. Now, you know, if, if you get turned off this morning by my straightforwardness, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't like Jesus at all. I mean, this is just the way it was. Here comes Nicodemus. Now, Jesus saw his need. Jesus knew that he was a ruler. This man gave out orders all the time. He, he knew that. And he understood that. And, and Jesus knew the nature of this man. And Jesus knew that he came by night. He came by night because he was questing for something. This is not the, the, the time in which you would visit in, in this particular case. He came without invitation. He slipply, simply slipped through the night. He was looking for the Messiah. And he found him. And Jesus looked at him and said... Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto you. You know what the word verily, verily in this case means? In this case it means, truly, truly, I say unto thee, Nicodemus. There is no way that you can be saved except. Now, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that's the Jesus method. Now, what do you think of that? It's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty straightforward, but it's it's a good clear sound. I mean, when the when the trumpet was blown, Nicodemus heard it clearly. Now, 
Nicodemus did not understand altogether because he was not familiar with what Jesus was saying. So Jesus didn't stop there. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now the soul that sinneth it shall surely die. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. And the only way that you will enter into the kingdom of God, the only way is by being born of water and of spirit. Now those are the exceptions. You've got to be born of the water and the Spirit. Otherwise you cannot enter in the kingdom of God. That's it. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Now marvel. What do you think marvel means? Have you ever marveled at something? You're just awe-stricken. Wow. Jesus said, now, wait a minute. Don't be so taken back by this. Now, why did Jesus say that? Because you're a ruler. You give, you, you give rules all the time. You lay down the law all the time, Nicodemus. Don't be so taken back. I mean, you came to me for instruction, didn't you? You tell your men what they ought to do, and you tell them exactly what they ought to do. You're a ruler of the Jews. Now, when they come to you, you don't say, well, why don't you do this if you, if you get around to it or if you want to. So don't be too taken back. And then, of course, verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, Nicodemus, at the time in which this was given, at the time in which this was given, Nicodemus did not obey this commandment. Now, the reason why he didn't is because he couldn't. Now, if you will read in John the 7th chapter, verse 37. Now, this is after, sometime after, Jesus had spoken. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now what was Jesus speaking of? But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, there are only four chapters difference between these 
two events, but about two years have lapsed already. And Jesus, two years later, spoke of the Holy Ghost that people should receive. However, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was given to Nicodemus a commandment of what he needed to do once the Holy Ghost was given to mankind. At the time in which this was spoken of here, he could not receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because there had not been a death, a burial, and a resurrection. But Jesus was very, very plain as to what they ought to do. Now he said, water and a spirit. Be born of water and a spirit. Now that's the Jesus method. That's the way Jesus did it. Now the apostles, let's look at the apostolic method. Turn with me to Acts, the second chapter. Now, Acts, the second chapter is when the Holy Ghost was first poured out. Acts 2, now Jesus Christ died. He was buried. He arose. He ascended. After his ascension, they went into Jerusalem, and there they were to tarry until they be endued with power from on high. And there they were praying in the upper room. And the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one cord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, Maybe you have never thought about it, but this parallels that birth of the Spirit that Jesus told Nicodemus that they sh he should receive. He said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou canst not tell from whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth. So is every one. Let's say every one together. Every one. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now what was Jesus saying? It's going to come like a wind. Now you're not, you're not going to know where it came from. And you will not know where it's going. But you will hear the sound of it. And this will happen to every one that is born of the Spirit. Now is that what he said? See he was pretty cut and dried. He didn't say, well, it's going to happen like this, and it's going to happen like that, and like this, and like that, and, 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 and God's just going to kind of throw it up for grabs and leave you guessing. No, because no, see, God's not that way. Now, why is God not that way? Because, you see, your soul is the most precious commodity you'll ever deal with. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If it's all that important that you be saved, God wants you to know when you're saved. And what it takes to be saved. So it's going to come like a wind. You'll not know where it comes from nor where it goes. But this you will hear the sound of it. Alright, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them clothed in tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak.
with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, there were people from all over the earth there to hear them receive the Holy Ghost. Now, they didn't gather there to hear them receive the Holy Ghost. They came there to the Feast of Pentecost. They, they were proselytes from all over the world. Now, when they saw these people receive the Holy Ghost, and they heard them receive the Holy Ghost, they said, now, what is all this about? They thought they were they were drunk. Uh, they thought that they were just intoxicated. But Peter said, no, now this, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Now that's the pouring out of the Spirit of God. Now some people think you can receive the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of God, get the Holy Ghost later. Well, that's in contradiction of the Word of the Lord. The Holy Ghost is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. He was here in a physical form. He said, now I'm with you now, but I shall be in you. And when He ascended, He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. While He ascended, He came back into their hearts to live inside of them. And the pouring out of the Spirit upon all flesh was Jesus Christ visiting the planet Earth in a spiritual form. Now, Peter begins to preach the first message. And after he concludes his preaching, these people who heard him speak and saw these people receive the Holy Ghost, they were so convicted in their hearts that they came to Peter and the rest of the apostles, the Bible says in verse 37, and they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, what shall we do to be saved? Now, I used to spend a lot of time inquiring into different Religious movements. When I was in Bible school in Houston, Texas, I I wrote to quite a few different organizations and read a lot of different books. Now, <clears throat> let me say this. And I say this because I know what I'm talking about. If you want to write every church in the immediate area Feel free to do so. Ask them what you have to do to be saved. You will not get many straightforward answers. Out of all the writing that I did, I only got a straightforward answer from one movement. And that was all. And the one movement that I got a straightforward answer to, told me what, I, what you need to do to be saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was a straightforward answer. But uh, that was the extent of it. 
the other places that I wrote, I never got a straightforward answer. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, Peter said, well, I'll tell you what you ought to do. If you will start attending our church, and uh, if you will come over to a certain location at a certain time, we'll probably be meeting over there. And, and, and after you go through a, a good number of uh, uh, lessons with us, uh, we'll evaluate where you are, and, and uh, uh, we'll let you sign a card, and, and, and we'll place it in our, our secretary's file, and... Uh, uh, we'll have a vote among our, our members, present members, and if you if you get a, a vote of two thirds or more, you become a member of the body of Christ. It wasn't what he said. Was it? he said unto them, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you." Now, I wonder why he said every one of you. You know, it's a strange thing, but as far back as you can trace religious movements, there have always been people who would not want. They would not want to follow the instructions given. Somebody's always looking for a loophole. That seems strange to me, but people are just that way. I don't know why, but when it comes to Following after God, they're always looking for a loophole as to how they can get out of it. Oh, I think I do know why, too. You know, we are transgressors by nature. And giving our heart to God is not a natural thing. It really isn't. And this is the reason why that a clear sound must be, must be given. What should I do, Brother Grant, to be saved? Well, I'll tell you what you need to do to be saved. You need to first repent. You need to repent of all of your sins. That simply means ask God to forgive you and determine in your heart that you'll not do those things again. After you have repented, then you should be baptized. Now that's all of you who have not been baptized of the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance. That's what you need to do. In fact, that's what you have to do. And thirdly, the promise of the Holy Ghost is yours. Then you are to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is not only to you, but it's to your children who are down in the Sunday school classes. Read verse 39. And if they become parents, and they sit where you sit, it'll be for their children who are down in the Sunday school classes. In other words, it's not going to change. Now see, that's the apostolic method. We read to you the Jesus method. The soul is so important that we cannot chance or just preach to you anyway. You must do it a certain way. I say you must do it a certain way. 
Do it the way Calvary Gospel Church does it. You've got to do it the way the Bible says. Do it the way Pastor Grant says. A way the Bible says. Do it the way they do it across the state. No, the way the Bible says. I just thank the Lord that we have a good enough understanding and knowledge of the Word of the Lord to do it the way the Bible says do it. You know, do you know why that 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 there is such great confidence and boldness among God's people? When you know that you have done things the way Jesus told you to do it, there is a confidence that sweeps your soul. Sometimes that can be misunderstood. Why do you think they rushed upon Stephen? They were so angry at him. He being full of the Holy Ghost, he preached to them. They rushed upon him. They, they were so upset they even gnashed upon him with their teeth. They felt inferior. They, they felt intimidated by this great man of God. Well, Stephen was a humble man. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. But you see, they saw his great confidence. They just couldn't stand that. He's going to kill this guy. Get him out of the way. He's a thorn in our flesh. Isn't that right? You know, sometimes uh, you can really be misunderstood when the anointing of the Lord comes upon you. Because you're going to preach to some people. They're going to say, man, you act like you know it all. Well, I just want to say this, and I may sound like I'm bragging. If any man boasts, the Bible says, let him boast in Calvary. I'll say this, if I don't know it all, I hope very shortly I find out what I don't know and do it. Now, I'm not trying to say that that Christians should go around with a know-it-all attitude. Because there are so many, 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 many things in God that we're still learning. But I will say this, as far as our birth into the Spirit, we must be born of water and a Spirit before those truths will be revealed to us. For when He, the Spirit of truth, shall come, He shall then lead you into all truth. My time is up. I'd like for you to stand if you would. <clears throat> we really do need a clear sound. I say we really do need a clear sound. Especially in this day because we are being taught in educational systems that there are no absolutes. Consequently, people have lost their purpose in life. They don't know why they're here or where they're going or where they came from. I know that we came out of God. And I know that I'm going back to God. And when I go back to God, I want to go back to God in peace. And the scripture gives me a precise route 
to enter into his kingdom. And the scripture gives that to you. If I don't tell you the Bible says, then your blood is required. Your blood is required at my hands. But if I tell you, then the Lord smiles upon me and overlooks me. And then your own blood's required on your own heads, the Bible says. Let's pray. Dear Lord of heaven, we understand that you are the stone that was rejected by the builders. And because, Lord, that in the fitting and the putting together of the temple, the cornerstone was the stone that was so oddly shaped that the experts seemed to overlook it until the building was put together. And then somebody discovered there was a stone missing. They searched the fields and the grass and found the stone. It was the rejected one, the one that wouldn't fit any other place. And the Bible tells me, Lord, that that stone represented you. You have been rejected by so many and cast aside. But Lord, let us understand very clearly today that regardless of how awkward your doctrine may fit in our modern society, that it's a thing that we need to make us complete. For we are only complete when you're in us and we're in you. And having a revelation of this, Lord... Visit our hearts right now, O oh God. Knock upon the heart's doors of these people who do not know you, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the day, today, Lord, they would open up and allow you to come and minister to them. May our hearts be open to you. As we conclude this service today, deal with us, Lord Jesus, and let us somehow find the backbone, the grace to do what we know we need to do to be saved. For soon, Lord, you're to come back after your church. We do not want to be left behind. So do your work right now, Lord, as we open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. On both sides of the pulpit, there's a place for you to come right now to kneel and pray. Let's sing the chorus that we sung when Brother O'Neill was here. Into my heart, into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And if you've never opened your heart up, to let the Lord minister to you. Today is the day for you to do it. One has come already. Do we have somebody else who would step right out and come and kneel?
repent of their sins, then be buried in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, and then receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Would you come right now as you make your way to God, as you start a new life? Praise God. Let's sing it, Sister Graham. Into my heart. Into my heart. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus. Come on right now, would you? On either side of the pulpit, there's a place for you to come. And kneel and pray. Come on right now, would you? Praise God. To my heart, Lord Jesus. Let's sing it again. Into my heart. Into my heart. Would you come? Come on right now. Some of you young people need to come and surrender your heart to the Lord. Why don't you step out right now and come and surrender? Praise God. Come in to stay. Come in to my heart. As we sing it one more time, we'd like for everybody to find a place to kneel and pray. After you've knelt and prayed, you may consider yourself dismissed. Remember our service tonight at 7 o'clock. Prayer at 6.30 in our prayer rooms. God bless you for coming and being with us. The altar's still open here. If you feel a need to come and pray, why don't you step right out and come on and pray. Into my heart.